Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Man, after an intro like that, it's kind of disappointing to hear my voice, isn't it? <laughs> Darren's got the weekend off, taking advantage of that uh, that Notre Dame bye weeks. Uh, he'll be he'll be back on Monday. Heck, Notre, all the Notre Dame coverage that we've got for you too. That'll that'll be back on Monday. So, fear not. I'm Jim Rizzari. How's it going? Um, let's see. Get to me. JimOnSports.com. You could just, like, that's all my stuff right there. That's all my social media stuff. Uh, pretty active on Twitter. I, uh, I, we're on Twitch as well. Uh, feel free to uh, feel free to interact there on, uh, on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash SportsRadio960WSBT. Really, really, really insanely easy to uh, to listen. So it is, of course, presented by the King of Beers, Budweiser, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. Uh, this segment also brought to you by South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Uh, I'm sure by now you've seen the highlight. If you can call it a highlight, I guess. You've seen the video. You've heard a thousand talking heads talking about it. Here's one more. <laughs> I'm one more. Uh, kind of the kind of the breaks when you don't get on the air until five o'clock the following afternoon. But uh, last night, the, uh, the the Dolphins and Bengals played uh, Thursday night football. Uh, overall, a Another really good game to watch. Um, For being the first year for for Thursday Night Football, being on Amazon, uh, they've got a really good schedule. 
Although they, you know, they paid a whole bunch of money for that schedule too. So kind of makes sense. But about six minutes left in the uh, in the second quarter, uh, Tua goes back to pass, and uh, we'll just let you know the pros take it from here. Tua rolling left with the grain, and down he goes. Slung down in his own 48-yard line. Josh Tupu. And, uh-oh. Well, we saw last week, and he went down. He got up. was wobbly. The training staff comes out. And, of course, the last thing the Dolphins wanted to see. I mean, last week it looked for all the world. Everybody thought head injury, concussion, passed the protocol, came back second half. Led him to a victory, and and, and Al Tupo slams him to the ground. I mean, it, it's you think about the back, the ankle, but he gets thrown to the ground again, wrenching that back, which yeah. was the issue last week. Yep. So they work on him. We'll step away for a moment. And uh, that that's kind of how they they broke it down initially. You know, just the initial reaction, which uh, uh, you could kind of tell. I, you know, Al Michaels has been around the block a little bit. He's seen some things. What he saw Tua do with his hands, you know, bringing them, bringing them up like like he did, and they were all, you know, kind of twisted in different directions. A couple of them. Uh, he knew something was up there. He knew something was up. Um, so we come back from commercial. Not going to speculate, but Tungabailoa is still down as they work on him. And we'll show you in a moment the way his fingers were stretching out at the end of that play. Comes down on his elbow, comes down on his back, comes down on the back of his head. With serious force, he goes down. And right as he goes down, you could see both his hands you just get right away you get concerned they're bringing a stretcher out right yep. now and he was brought down I mean a big man bringing 340 pounds bringing him down with a lot of force right onto his back and on the back of his helmet off of the week that he had last week <laughs> I mean he's just being a, a gamer playing tonight trying to be there for his team could see the concern of the, the rest of his teammates and that's when like I, I was watching and I was doing my silly, silly, silly little thing on Twitch, quite honestly. And I didn't have the TV volume up. I was kind of relying on closed captioning and whatnot to, you know, see what's happening with the game in addition to the video. So I wasn't really listening, but it's at that point, uh, you know, thing things are definitely not normal. So we've got more. Talking to our uh, sports med, uh, medicine analyst, longtime trainer for the Jacksonville Jaguars before that, the Giants. And Mike Ryan tells us when he sees that, and he's watching this as you are as well, it's a neurological response to head trauma. So they're stabilizing him right now. Head hits the turf, elbow hit first, then the head. And again, heartbeat just uh, turns around just like that. Uh, again, mm. worth mentioning it. Very similar 
sack last week or, or push from Milano the Buffalo line when he hit his head uh, on the game last week. And then about you know a full half worth of worth of game, he still had uh, he still had like like about five and a half minutes left in the uh, in the first half. Even after that, uh, you didn't really hear about that injury too too much afterward. And like if if you hadn't, it, it was almost kind of like if you hadn't been watching the game, really, you wouldn't. You know, you'd be, you might be asking what happened to Tua, but you wouldn't think that something like that, you know, the, the injury that he had, you wouldn't have thought that that was what happened. And that's a little troubling, I think. And we'll get into the, we'll get into the media aspects coming up, um, that that's coming up in a little bit. I've actually got somebody who, you know, is paid to kind of analyze the media about that. Um, but uh, overall, uh, like this is something with everything that happened last week in the Buffalo game, in the Dolphins Bills game last week, where Tua gets sacked. And, and that late hit from Matt Milano pushes him down. Tua hits his head. He gets up. He's a little wobbly. Like, you've seen that highlight. Guarantee that. He's a little wobbly. Something's obviously wrong. But the Dolphins, their medical staff, diagnoses that as, oh, that was a back injury that he... That he suffered uh, in the previous drive. It's a back injury. He's fine to go back in. He passed. He passed protocol. And you know what? It was. It was kind of a similar impact last night. But you know do, does that reaction you know does the, the hands coming up does that reaction happen if he's not you know being checked out maybe maybe having a, a concussion you know last week last sunday even and just not giving the doctors all the symptoms maybe that's happening But the Dolphins medical staff is paid to be able to see those signals. Like, I understand. You've got to rely on the player to be truthful in, in instances like that. You have to. But you saw the way he was when he got up. All right? I've had back problems. My back goes out just from me, you know, kind of twitching funny quite out you know just you know maybe you know cracking my neck or something my back will just nope we're done today i'm not running around like like a guy who's you know who looks drunk quite honestly who looks out of sorts so what is the what is the Dolphins medical staff doing at this point? What 
These are the trained professionals. They're supposed to be able to see through this crap, you know? And this sets a really dangerous precedent. Just from kind of a hierarchy standpoint. If the Dolphins can get away with it in the NFL, then what's to keep a big-time college program to, to keep that from happening? Heck, maybe you get into you know some of the FCS schools even that can't afford to have that top-of-the-line medical staff. And, and it, it just keeps going down and down and down and down. And, you know, it, 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 it's set, you know, then you've got high schools trying, trying to cheat the system. All in the name of winning. I subscribe to the theory, you know, that, that, that sports are fun. And, you know, I, I, I try to take a lighthearted approach as far as uh, how I talk about sports. I don't try to get too far into X's and O's. I don't try to get into stats. To be perfectly honest, I think you could that you, the listener, could honestly give two craps about that. Okay? Like that's why there's that's why there's color commentators on on broadcasts, and that's why, you know, there there's former players who are expert analysts and and things like that. That's that's what they're there for. You're not you're not trying to get it from, you know, chuckles on the microphone here. I get that. But when it's something like this, like, this is the health of a human being we're talking about. Like, this is just the overall health of a human being. The Dolphins last night, you know, they, 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 they get them on the backboard. They get them on the stretcher, they wheel them out. By the way, why doesn't Cincinnati have like a golf cart or something, like a John Deere golf cart or something like that to, uh, you know, kind of put that stretcher on? Like, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be smoother than, than a stretcher wheel going over? Anyway. Um, he goes to the hospital. A level one trauma center, by the way. That was actually a detail that was brought out really early in uh, in the coverage and good little detail quite honestly um he gets checked out by by experts he discharged somehow like he went from being strapped up to a backboard and his head immobilized and you know he's still wearing his helmet without the face mask you know so that they don't hurt him further to being discharged from the hospital last night and flying home. I know I'm not a doctor. I didn't spend a ton of years in school, you know, getting, getting a medical degree. And, full disclosure, I tried reaching out to some, to some of those doctors who have spent that sort of time. And are experts on this sort of injury. None of them wanted to come on because uh, a, uh, a prevailing reason that I heard was that uh, they didn't want to give an opinion on a case that they had that they had nothing to do about. 
nothing to do with. Okay, whatever. That's fine. But, like, we're dealing with the health of a human being here. I, like, all of a sudden, winning is, I guess, that important to the Dolphins. There's a uh, article that came out, actually, just like a couple of hours ago, uh, on, on SI.com, written by Albert Breer of, of Sports Illustrated. And it starts like this. Imagine you're to a tag of Iloa. Growing up in a demanding household in Hawaii with everything centered on your football dreams. At Alabama, many of those dreams and aspirations were fulfilled. But your future was also thrown into flux with two high ankle sprains that led to tightrope surgeries, a broken hand, and most devastatingly, a dislocated hip that ended your college career. And while that didn't stop the Dolphins from taking you as the fifth pick in the 2020 NFL draft, for whatever the reason, be it the injuries or your size or your athletic limitations, your coach and your team's owner your first two years never fully buy into you. You're yo-yoed in and out of the lineup as a rookie, you break your ribs, then your finger, and miss time in your second year. Your team makes a run at trading for Deshaun Watson in the interim, then pursues Tom Brady after the season. But you're in your third league in the uh, third year in the league with new coach Mike McDaniel. It's finally all coming together. The team signs a great left tackle, Teron Armstead, trades for a star receiver, Tyreek Hill, to round out the offense. The new staff installs a system similar to the one you excelled in at Alabama to highlight your talents. Start the season 2-0. You're playing the kings of your division, the Bills, in week three. Suddenly, everything has turned. Your team's present and future look bright, and a contract at $50 million per year isn't out of the question. What would you have done over the past week? Would you have self-reported concussion symptoms if you had them during the Bills game on Sunday? Or would you have done all you could to get yourself back out there because it's football and God knows your teammates get their bells rung plenty playing a more physical position than you do? Would you have entered yourself into the concussion protocol with another big AFC game coming Thursday night against the Bengals? Or would you have pinned the way... Or would you have pinned the way you stumbled to the ground against the Bills after, after your head slammed onto, onto the turf on a bulky back? This is the reality of being an NFL player, where guys are always making bargains with their physical well-being to live out their dreams. Get the highs of playing a sport that's unlike any other, pursue team success, build legacies, and ultimately try to generate generational wealth. And there's more. I mean, this is this is like a, a like like I printed it out. It was like a three-page article, <laughs> like three full pages. Um, you know, the pursuing team success and and not letting your team down and and all that. Um, I got a bad feeling about the future for two attack uh, attack of Iowa. Like I just got a bad, I, I I got a bad feeling. Like you can't do any of those things, like build legacies or be there for, you know, pursuing team success, being there for your teammates. You can't do any of that when your brain is just basically gets knocked into pudding. All right, it it can't happen that way. 
there's there's too much important. It's a guy's life. What are the Bengals doing? Like, and what is what's the NFL's concussion protocol? Quite honestly, like obviously that's coming under the microscope. Like where where's where's the NFLPA investigation into last week's injury against Buffalo? You know where where does that stand? Don't know. And we'll talk uh, talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, as far as how is the media handling all this and how they handled it last night and how they've handled it this morning on into this afternoon and whatnot and ever since ever since the injury. Uh, I'm going to talk with Ian Castleberry from Barrett Sports Media. Uh, they provide consulting services and also analyze the media. They follow the media. They track the media. Kind of a media watchdog a little bit. Uh Ian's going to join me here coming up in the next segment here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This portion of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat brought to you by Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance, for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. Last night, Thursday Night Football, uh, it it, it hasn't really been a great last couple of weeks for Amazon. Uh, After after a great premiere with with the Chiefs-Chargers game, last week they had the Steelers and the Browns, and of course the subject of Deshaun Watson came up, and that was just fumbled all to hell. Uh, And then the situation last night with with Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, so, I got to ask my man, Ian Castleberry from Barrett Sports Media. Uh, I'm, I'm right in, 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 in saying, by the way, thank you for coming on, like, last minute, too. Totally, totally appreciate that. <laughs> no, my pleasure. My uh, pleasure. Uh, I, I'm not alone in, in, in thinking that, uh, you know, not exactly the greatest look for Amazon, right? Yeah, I mean, I I listened to Al Michaels' call in the moment again uh, earlier today, and I feel like they did handle it okay in the moment. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think Al was very careful. You know, he had mm-hmm. he said "uh oh" um, and and, and kind of went into uh, alluded to what had happened the week before. So, in terms of the game call itself, I don't. You know, they they could have, Michaels and Herb Street, I, I suppose, could have gone into uh, everything that had happened last week with uh, the apparent uh, concussion and, and Tiger Viola being cleared to play. Um, I think it's a little bit of a different situation than the Deshaun Watson state, uh, situation where they seem to just deliberately not want to talk about it or, or gloss over it. Right. Um, it's maybe a little more problematic was the halftime show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you had three analysts there, three former players, um, at least two of whom didn't seem interested in discussing what everybody else watching wanted to discuss. And, right. You know, why was 
Tua allowed to play. Uh, you know, how upsetting was it to see what happened on the field? Ryan Fitzpatrick eventually went there. Yeah. Uh, I think talking both as a former player and a former teammate. And I've actually uh, got, o- I've, I've actually, I've actually got that audio too. If I, you know, don't mean to interrupt you, but uh, I've got that audio. No, 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 go ahead. I uh, wanted to play, to play it uh, for everybody here right now. This is, uh, this is what Ian's talking about as far as Ryan Fitzpatrick during halftime last night. Played a lot of football. That's one of the toughest scenes I think I've ever seen. No you know, for him as a brother, getting to spend a few hours with him last night, as happy as I've ever seen him. To see him do that, get knocked out, go limp, whatever it was, and you could just feel it, not just with the fans, but both teams. That was a scary scene, and, you know, as a as a player, you've got to move on. you got to play the game as an announcer analyst i'm having a tough time right now and it kind of sounded like he was just punting on on it but it's like that's what you're getting paid to do you're an analyst now yeah you, you think... have to talk about that stuff i understand you know being you know former teammates with him last year and and being close with him and and hanging out the day before all that but you are an analyst that is what you're paid to do yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to you have to comment on what people want to talk about, on what people saw or, or are seeing on the screen. Now, of course, with television, we do have to factor in, and I feel like we don't factor this in when we talk about TV enough. We don't know what's being said in their ear, what mm-hmm. the producers and directors are like, okay, you know, you got 30 seconds on this or whatever, and, and then we got to So we don't know that. But <clears throat> to me, it felt like, Fitzpatrick did acknowledge it. Uh, I mean, I would <laughs> hindsight, of course, uh, being right. 2020, I would take a little bit of issue with him saying go limp because I think what was most troubling in this entire thing with what had happened to Tua and the imagery um, that was being shown, and of course the fact that Amazon showed that replay repeatedly, which yes. I know is something a lot of people had an issue with, but it was the hands, right? It was right. Tua's fingers completely rigid and you know bent in a funny way almost that, that we hadn't seen before I don't know about you I had not not heard fencing response or I was not familiar with it until last night maybe I should have been but I mean I quickly did some research of what everybody was referring to with fencing response and then you know the bodies if you've talked about this already I apologize but the body's natural response to a trauma or a head trauma where the hands sort of take a defensive posture or, I mean, it looked, I hope this doesn't sound glib, but it looked like something kind of short circuited for Tua, right? Like something wasn't working correctly. And it was extremely upsetting. I wish there had been a little bit more commentary on that. Again, I know they're keeping it moving. Excuse me. They got to talk about the action of the first half, but really all anyone wants to talk about is Tua. And I think it's also a, a valid criticism that's being leveled at Richard uh, Sherman, who oh, yeah. know, has been very outspoken in the past about how players are treated, the fact that the players are being asked to play on Thursday night football, you know, kind of throwing safety uh, out the window here, especially when you're talking about that short week. And yeah, he, he was you know, very much it, against that uh, as a, as one of the player reps. He, he he couldn't. He but you could, would not he, know that. Yeah, exactly. Like you 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 wouldn't have you known would not it. Know that by his commentary. Exactly, or lack thereof, even. Um, 
because yeah, he, yeah. he he just really didn't say anything about it. And it's like, come on, man, we're not we we don't have that short term of memory to where we forget that you were really outspoken about this, you know. And 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 it, I mean, it's obvious that it's because of the paycheck. Yeah, I mean that's right. That's the 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 implicit understanding or, or the subtext, right? Is that um, you know this is an NFL production and the NFL, is, yeah, is signing the checks and uh, you don't want to be too critical against the league when, when they are are putting you on television. But I I think um, you know Carissa Thompson might be getting a little bit of a pass on this too, and maybe I. I shouldn't be critical of her, but she has three analysts there and she's traffic cop, right? Right. So she could ask one of these three. Again, there's three analysts, Tony Gonzalez, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Richard Sherman. She could put it to the panel or put one of them on the spot. Maybe she didn't want to put anybody on the spot. You know, what about the fact that it appeared to suffered a concussion last week that, you know, he was cleared. It should be pointed out. Yes. The doctor's, said he was okay. Now, I know a lot of us are skeptical about that. We think of James Woods in any given Sunday, right? Where it's just right. uh, shoot him up and send him out there. They're <laughs> yeah. warriors. I think that's what everybody <clears throat> imagines. I um, saw those clips a lot he, he last was, night. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, I mean, I think, again, you, you have to address what everybody is thinking, the so-called elephant in the room, right? And the, the, the halftime show failed to do that. Now, to Amazon's credit, in the postgame show, they did have Michael Smith come on to talk about what had happened. And maybe that's just the, by virtue of Michael Smith being a journalist and, and an right. analyst and not just a former player, that he knows how, how to address things that have happened to maybe do a little bit of reporting on the spot. Maybe the halftime show wasn't the place for that, although it seems like you could have set it up where just, you know, you go to Michael Smith for 30 seconds to a minute and, and bring this up. How many people even saw that postgame show? Maybe more people stuck around than usual because they wanted to see if there was any update on Tua. But by and large, people saw the halftime show, they heard the commentary during the game, and as we've been saying, I think that fell very short in terms of uh, addressing what we had seen and, and addressing the possible issues that led up to uh, this, frankly, horrifying moment on television. Yeah. Uh, a tweet that got uh, that got uh, pointed out by a lot of people, really. There, you know, a lot of retweeting on on this uh, coming from Greg Rosenthal. Uh, at Greg Rosenthal on Twitter, by the way, Greg with two G's. Uh, Amazon just did an entire halftime segment on Tua without mentioning that Tua was tested for a concussion four days ago or that the NFLPA requested an investigation. Yeah, um, the fact that the investigation hadn't been completed, I mean, is I don't know what, what the protocol is or what is, has been negotiated in the, in the collective bargaining agreement, but it seems to me if this is still under investigation, you don't have to play that next game, especially on a short week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, four, four days later, um, you know, we're having, we're talking about a situation where Tua may have suffered two concussions in the span of five days. And um, as I'm sure listeners know you may have talked about this too uh you know what we do know as 
about concussions as laymen, as, as non-medical people, is that once you get that first one, and we're not even sure this is Tua's first one, right? Right. But once you get that first one, it becomes progressively easier uh, or you are more prone to getting a concussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he was going to get a concussion on that hit last night anyway. The, the, the head hit the turf. He yeah. was whipped around. But he was more prone to suffering an injury like that. Again, presuming that he did from all – I mean, from the eyeball test, he also suffered a concussion on Sunday. Yeah, I, like I, Ian Castleberry, by the way, from uh, from Barrett Sports Media, uh, joining me on uh, Budweiser's weekday sports beat on nine sixty WSBT. Uh, it, it, it's like I have back problems. You know, my my back will just go out because I slept funny the night before, and you know, I I go to stretch and then, oh man, you know, like that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you've had that from time to time. We all have. Um, yes. That We're said, old. We, yeah. <laughs> right, we are old. Uh, that said, I mean, I'm not kind of stumbling around like I don't know where I am because of that back pain, you know? Right, standing up in the first place and then stumbling. And, again, he was kind of – gesturing toward his head right he did seem mm-hmm. frankly like he was out of it yeah um and again i don't know what the the standard concussion protocol is i mean emmanuel Acho, i think on the air was saying you know when he suffered a concussion he was asked you know what day is it uh and who is the president and you know what day is it is, is right. a pretty easy question to answer because it's probably sunday right because you're playing football um i mean i hope things have evolve uh, past that, you know, what day is it, how many fingers am I holding up, uh, whatever tests or wh- whatever uh, Tua had to pass on the sideline, presumably he did, but I, I just don't, if there's even a question, I don't know how he gets sent back out there. And I, I think also Mike McDaniel said after the game, that it was pretty apparent to him that Tua had suffered a concussion. Like, you know, he went out there and, and, and talked to him and so forth. But I, I, medically, I, I just, I don't know how, and I think maybe that's where a little bit of the hesitance from whether it's uh, football analysts or medical analysts come in. Like, we don't know mm-hmm. what the procedure was uh, on the sideline. We don't know what the procedure was if he was taken back to the locker room. And I think some people are afraid to criticize that without having all of the information on hand. But at the very least, it seems like you can err on the side of caution and that if, if it appears that he suffered a concussion, any sort of head injury, don't send him back out there so soon. Right. Like, it, 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 like between, between last week against Buffalo well, I mean, not even last week, you know, four days ago, five days ago against Buffalo and last night. Um, it seemed really rushed that, that he was, you know, that he was really rushed to get back out there against Buffalo, especially, you know? Yeah, and I, I don't – it's hard. I know Mike McDaniel's also taken a lot of criticism for uh, – but what he had a comment was it last night after the game where he says it doesn't appear that Tua has anything more serious than a concussion, which you know everybody's up in arms about. Like the the concussion is serious, right? Coach. Right. 
Mike, what are you, what are you saying? Uh, I mean, yes, thankfully he does not appear to have suffered any sort of catastrophic uh, injury as far as, uh, you know, being paralyzed or <clears throat> not being able to move uh, his extremities. Um, and I, boy, I, and I know we're talking about the, the broadcast part of it. I don't know at a certain point, unless they receive updated information, I don't know how much more Al Michaels and yeah. Kirk Herbstreet uh, could have done during the game. It is their job to continue – as long as they're playing the game, right? The players are out there playing. It's their right. job to call the action. So, I mean, I, I think that, you know, just like in a slow moment, I don't think, you know, Kirk Hershey can say, by the way, I wonder how two is doing. Do we have an update on that? I mean, right, right. again, we don't know what's in his ear and so forth. But the, the forums or the platforms where there was an opportunity to talk about these sorts of things, they weren't discussed until well after the fact. It appears. Do you uh, do you buy the, the the possibility that there's the shadowy figure uh, with with the NFL production crew that is like, do not dwell on this, you know, into everybody's headphone. I want to say no, but I I mean everyone's thinking yes, right? That I. I hate to be that cynical, but given what has happened in the NFL over the past five, ten years, uh, pretty recently, and and not wanting people to be so uh, disturbed uh, that, you know, that the channels turned or that people really – because there was sort of a a groundswell of like, oh, man, I can't watch football anymore, right? It's too violent. Mm Mm-hmm. These guys are, are, are suffering major injuries. I don't want to watch it anymore. And I don't know about you. I mean, I tended to roll my eyes when I heard that. Not to diminish that, but it's like, come on, this is entertainment. You know what they're doing out there. I felt like we'd kind of gotten over that a little bit. Maybe that's the wrong way of putting it, but just um, accepting that a, a little bit more. Um, and now this is sort of, bringing it all back, which isn't a bad thing. Obviously, it's a bad thing that the injuries are being suffered, but Mm -hmm. to bring this back into light as far as a topic of discussion with football, professional football especially, maybe not a bad thing. But again, as you are alluding to, maybe the powers that be, uh, the producers of an NFL broadcast, don't want that to be uh, top of the board in in discussion. Right. Right. Uh, I guess one more question. I'll get you out of here. Uh, do you think, like, is there? Do you think that there's going to be any sort of review of the NFL's concussion protocol? Is is do, do you think that? And also, you know, do you think the Dolphins' medical staff executed that protocol efficiently enough? Uh, well, the the, the the investigation has not been completed yet. Right. So I guess it it depends on what the results of that are, but I don't know how you don't evaluate the Dolphins medical staff or the NFL protocols. I think what's, you know, we're, we're we're talking about broadcasts also. I don't know if any pregame shows this coming Sunday don't bring this up. I think that's additional reason for outrage because that is what people of course, people want to talk about week four's games, but this is the topic people want to discuss. And, and this has to be brought up on CBS, on Fox, on NBC. 
uh, ESPN, et cetera. Uh, I think the media can play a role in this. And if they continue to focus attention on this and not let it go or gloss over it, um, I think the NFL will feel pressure to reevaluate those processes. It uh, you know just continues to boggle my mind how they're you know you, you can have a guy you know he'll he'll break his leg and, and we like we can't get enough people talking about you know you know this is why it happened and and you know th- this is this is how it happened and, and things like that but when it comes to somebody's head when it comes to a potential brain injury. Uh, Everybody just seems to really clam up. You know, I saw a tweet. Uh, unfortunately, I, I don't know who, I can't remember who it was, so I can't give proper credit. But, you know, we're talking about, okay, oh, he's injured. Uh, he may have suffered a brain injury. Oh, but he checks out. Okay, send him back in. They say it's okay. But, oh, right. fourth and two? Oh, that's too risky. We don't want to, we don't want to <laughs> do anything too risky. Right. When it comes to game strategy, but when it comes to player safety, you know, hey, Doc said he's clear. Send him out there. Yep. Uh, obviously, some more analysis as uh, as the days go by, uh, as the weekend progresses. I would assume uh, coming from one Ian Castleberry of Barrett Sports Media. Uh, your uh, your last article this 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 past week really good. Tell people about that. Oh, thanks for bringing that up uh, about uh, RG three Robert Griffin the third. How I. Uh... Yeah, I think he's been kind of the breakout star of the college uh, football season. I know he's a little bit polarizing. Some people think maybe he's trying a little bit too hard or, you know, just just, uh, call the action. But I think Robert Griffin III has been very entertaining, Uh, maybe kind of towing towing the line a little bit with some innuendos (laughs) and some mischievous references, Um, you know, uh, snapping the ball too early is premature snapulation or (laughs) – You know, uh, uh, Michigan quarterback Alex Orgy scores a touchdown. There's an Orgy in the end zone. But it's entertaining, (laughs) and I think uh, RG3 is becoming kind of a must-watch broadcaster right now, which, I mean, how many guys can you really say that about? We watched the games, but we just went through, you know, an amazing offseason, especially from uh, in the NFL of guys switching networks, of guys getting paid millions and millions of dollars, and the question being asked, do people watch these games because of the announcers? And I think RG3 is raising his hand and saying, yeah, yeah, people do watch or might watch games because of the announcers, and he's an example of that. Absolutely. Bill Walton, another one, too. I can't get enough Bill Walton. Uh, oh, so. yeah, Bill Walton's great. <laughs> but anyway, that's uh, that's Ian Castleberry from uh, from Barrett Sports Media. Uh BarrettMedia.com, right? Or is it BarrettSportsMedia.com? I believe it is BarrettMedia.com. Okay. Yeah, they're uh, emphasizing or, or, you know, trying to boost up the news side of things as well, not just sports. But, yeah, right. Barrett Sports Media or BarrettMedia.com. All right. The man is Ian Castleberry. Follow him on Twitter as well, uh, at Ian Cass. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much for having me on, Jim. Yep. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And uh, and just like that, we uh, we move on. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continuing after this. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. 
There's a lot of good sports this weekend. A lot of good sports. This segment of Budweiser's Weekday Sport Beat, by the way, brought to you by Midland Engineering Company. Beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Midland Engineering uh, also powering the uh, the big high school football broadcast that comes your way starting at 645 over on our sister station, 96.1 The Ton. Number one in Class 5A, Mishawaka, taking on number three in 4A, Northwood. That's, that's quality right there. Quality. And then there's a bunch of, uh, you know, top 25 uh, college football games tomorrow. Uh, you know, like a lot, a lot of ranked teams taking on each other, which is awesome. Uh, got the NFL. You, you got baseball. You got the Mets and Braves series going on. I, I, I kind of have a. You know, a little bit of an investment in that, I'm just saying. Not even a financial one, just an emotional one. I could be an absolute wreck come Monday. Uh, And then also Aaron Judge uh, trying to beat uh, Roger Maris' American League home run record. So that, all of that happening one weekend. This is a a really good sports weekend. And, uh, of course, like I said, all gets underway tonight. High school football action between Mishawaka and Northwood. 6.45 to start over on our sister station, 96.1 The Ton. A Sports Center update coming up, and uh, we'll talk uh, talk some betting numbers. We'll talk uh, about that Mets-Brave series. Uh, just a huge series for the NL East. Basically, all the marbles as far as that division goes. Uh, that is coming up. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. This segment of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat being brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business, also by the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future, and by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. We'll uh, get some NFL betting in a little bit. First, we gotta do uh, gotta do some gotta do some college. Quite honestly, you don't get them girls Admit it, you love you love the pit bull, especially if he brings you some money. Here's your best bets, and there's a slew. A slew of great games this weekend, too. All right? Not all of them, though. Great great for betting. I'll just say that. One of them not bad, though, for betting. Something you probably weren't looking for. UTSA at Middle Tennessee. That's right. We're going deep tonight. (laughs) Middle Tennessee, of course, you know. The huge upset last week against Miami. We're all still laughing at Miami, and deservedly so. I don't know what happened with their past events, but, you know, whatever. Middle Tennessee just absolutely cooked them. I wouldn't expect that to happen again, though, this week. Don't expect that. UTSA's strength is its rushing attack. MTSU... Middle Tennessee State University does boast a good run defense, but again, numbers, narrative, they they agree here. You know, 
just trust me. UTSA minus four. Minus four. UTSA. All right. UCLA versus Washington. A little Pac-12 action. Not going to lie, this is actually a really good quarterback matchup. Kalen DeBoer, Michael Penix Jr. A little bit nervous, all right? Washington offense has looked fantastic, but uh, plus three and a half? Wow. We're trusting Chip Kelly in UCLA. What are we doing? They're not very different, though. They're very similar teams. Uh, you know, UCLA, obviously, you know, not going to have a ton of fans there because, I mean, have you seen have you seen any pictures of UCLA home games from this season? Oh. Playing in the Rose Bowl does not help that team. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, probably still some home field advantage, though. I've got a little bit more faith in UCLA's defense and Washington's here, so... Plus three and a half. I, th I think I think UCLA actually covers that. That plus three and a half. UCLA plus three and a half versus Washington. All right. Kentucky at Ole Miss. This is one of the better games of the weekend right here. Uh, Kentucky hasn't been able to run the ball very well this season, which, granted, cause for concern. But they've done an amazing job through the air. They currently rank 18th in passing EPA per play through the first four weeks of the season. Will Levis, he's, he's not perfect. He doesn't claim to be, though. He's got all the tools. He's going to have plenty of success. I mean, Ole Miss doesn't really ha have as great a defense as they would have you believe. SEC road game, you know, it's always tough for Kentucky, you know, as far as, as, far as a road game goes. But, I mean, there's a reason why Kentucky is climbing and improving every year. Six and a half points, though, is just way too many points. <laughs> way too many. Way, way too many to pass up. Kentucky plus six and a half at Ole Miss. And yes, Kentucky, the higher ranked team, a six and a half point underdog. I like Kentucky there, plus six and a half. Uh, Louisville at Boston College. Here's uh here's where we start talking about point totals. A Louisville under here. The Cardinals are great at running the ball, not so much throwing it. Okay, that's that's a game. Boston College offense terrible. Points are going to be a premium. They're going to be tough to come by with this game. It's going to be ugly. Just downright wretched. If Boston College is going to find any success in the game, it's going to be on the ground. So, under 51 for Louisville and Boston College, that seems like a no-brainer. Just seems like a no-brainer. Texas Tech at Kansas State. Here's where we start talking about another under. Uh, K-State, their offensive performance last week against Oklahoma... Unbelievable! I couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was watching out of K State against Oklahoma. But it's still one of the worst passing offenses in all of college football. Less than stellar Texas Tech offense. We've got a pretty high total on this. Fifty-seven and a half is the is the point total on this game. 
Kansas State, probably going to want to keep it on the ground because that works at least. Should keep the clock moving too. Uh, going to offset how often Texas Tech is going to want to throw too. So, there's that. Texas Tech offense, they're not very efficient. Uh, they've struggled to get to really any point total all season, quite honestly. They've struggled to get there in two of their three games against FBS opponents this year. 57.5, take the under, between Texas Tech and Kansas State. Long live the under with Oregon State at Utah. Oregon State struggled to score against USC at home last week. I'm not sure they're going to have much success against Utah on the road. Utah's got a better defense than USC. Have you seen Utah, by the way? Utah, that's the team we should be paying attention to out of the Pac-12. Now, you know, of course, they're probably going to wind up with like two losses by the by the time playoff time rolls around. But right now, pay attention to Utah. USC overrated. Utah, pay attention to them. Utah's got a better defense than the Trojans. They shouldn't have any problem whatsoever with Oregon State's offense. Both defenses, much better defending through the air. They both rate inside the top 25 in EPA. So the offenses are going to keep the ball on the ground, keep that clock moving, which means fewer opportunities to score, fewer opportunities to get to 56-and-a-half. Take the under between Oregon State and Utah. Let's see, do we have another point total here? I thought we had another. Yeah, we got another couple of point totals here. I like point totals. Point totals haven't been terrible at this year. NC State and Clemson. By the way, NC State and Clemson, you'll be able to hear that game here. Uh, coverage starting 7 o'clock tomorrow night here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Future Notre Dame opponent in Clemson. It's number 5 versus number 10. I mean, come on. That's going to be a great game. 41.5 is the point total on this one. Huh? That's just a tad short. <laughs> Vegas apparently not very doesn't have a whole lot of faith in Clemson for some reason. Forty-one and a half points, not hard to go over on. All right. I think both defenses could leak some yards to make things a whole heck of a lot easier. There were big plays last week for Clemson against Wake Forest. Both quarterbacks, ton of talent. Although they're both kind of a miss, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type thing. Don't know which version we're going to get. Are we going to get the good quarterbacks or the bad quarterbacks? Still, I like uh, NC State and Clemson over the point total of 41 and a half. Like, that just seems... Like, what's, what's Vegas trying to pull with 41 and a half points there? Talk a little baseball coming up. Mets and Braves is actually really important for how baseball's playoffs are going to shake out. <laughs> really, really important. That's coming up. Dan Patrick's above the noise right now in Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
This segment of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat brought to you by Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. Also by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. September is Hunger Action Month. How will you choose to help end hunger? Find, uh, learn more at feedindiana.org. Also by Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape. Must be 21 years or older. Must uh, And uh, please play responsibly. All right. So, who possibly saw this coming back in March? Me being Mr. Pessimistic, Mr. Pessimistic Mets fan who is... Like, was, was there... Was, you know, like, I've always kind of just taken it with a grain of salt. Any sort of... Any sort of, uh, you know, positivity heading into a season. Very tempered now as as I've gotten older. Mostly because my heart can't take any other... You know, it, it can't take it any other way. That's the oldest thing I've ever said, by the way. Um... <laughs> But seriously, like the last, let's see, the, they last made the playoffs 2016. So, you know, it's been six years. They're in the playoffs now. The NL East is completely up for grabs, though. Yesterday, or no, not last night, Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday night. Eduardo Escobar getting a, uh, well, he drove in all five runs. <laughs> he had five RBIs for the Mets as they beat the Marlins uh, Wednesday night, 5-4 to four in extras. The Nationals, the Nationals of all teams, the na- who, like the last several years, I have just loved hating, uh, did me a solid by beating the Braves in extra innings. Mets have a game up on the Braves heading into this series that uh, uh, actually gets underway coming up here in about a half hour or so. Uh, but did you see? Did you see this division coming down to like the final full weekend of the season? I didn't. I would have laughed at you and called you a damn fool if you would su- if you had even suggested that the Mets would be in it. But in it they are. Chasing 100 wins. Probably the best division race that I've seen in quite some time. Quite some time. Of course, the media would have you, you know, me being a Mets fan, I've been able to figure this out. The media would much rather have you focus on the fact that uh, they were up 10 and a half games in June. And also the fact that, you know, they had a large lead, you know, like seven. Seven games in in August, middle of August. But in case you didn't, you know, hear like a like just mere seconds ago, both teams are chasing a hundred wins. The Mets haven't collapsed. The Braves just haven't lost. That's that's how they caught up. And yes, there have been plenty of nights where I'm sitting there in front of MLB.tv. Either on my one of my computer screens or on my big screen TV at home, 
where I'm just breathing into a paper bag, hyperventilating, trying to keep myself from hyperventilating, and uh, really trying to find the hardest alcohol that I can in the house. That, that, that's been my life. That's been my life for the last, like, three weeks. Not exactly the most glamorous of lives, but it's my life. And I'm sure, you know, like, that collapse against, uh, you know, back, what was it, 15 years ago or so? Like, 06, 07, 05. You know, uh, all they needed to do was to beat the Marlins on the last day of the, on the last day of the, of the season to get into the playoffs, and they couldn't even muster that. And that's how they closed Shea Stadium. <sighs> Again, not exactly, you know, the, the healthiest life that I've been living uh, the last three weeks. But uh, Pete Alonzo thinks that it's fun. <laughs> okay, polar bear, okay. Said Tuesday after a Mets loss and a Braves win, which uh, briefly tied them for first place. This is fun. This is really, really fun being on a race like this. Pete, let's let's bring that down a little bit, okay? Okay, bud, I love you, but come on. So you've got Mets and Braves for basically all the marbles in the NL East this weekend, and of course you still got all all the after effects from Hurricane Ian. Looked at the weather. Apparently, it's not supposed to play any sort of role, you know, as far as rain goes, anyway. It's not supposed to rain in Atlanta, but you don't know how wet the field is right now, how, how muddy the infield could be. I don't know, you know. The wind probably definitely going to play a role because it's still kind of swirling around today down south. But, I mean, like, you know, baseball starting a new uh, postseason format even. You know, adding a wild card team to each league. And this has a lot riding on it, too. Like I said, they've both clinched playoff spots, but winning the division and, you know, being number two behind the Dodgers. By the way, can we look into the Dodgers and and how they're actually robots that have been programmed to never lose. Can we look into that? Can I use taxpayer dollars for that? Also a good question, I think. But it's all down to a best-of-three series in Atlanta. Again, I would have laughed, laughed you out of the room. Mets do have the uh, the lead on the season series, 9-7. They only need to win one of the, these three games to clinch the season series, which would give them the tiebreaker edge and the division title if they both finish with the same records. Tiebreaker games, unfortunately, you know, game 163, unfortunately they're gone. They're gone. Although I kind of like, you know, the, like every game of the season mattering a little bit more. I like that. The Mets moved up Jacob DeGrom to start tonight. I think he was going to start Sunday. I think he was going to start the finale. 
moving DeGrom up to me says, let's just take care of business now. Let's just do that now. Let's see. It's uh, DeGrom, Scherzer, and uh, and Chris Bassett in that order for the Mets. Max Fried, Kyle Wright, Charlie Morton in uh, in order for the Braves this weekend as far as starting pitching. I mean, DeGrom and Fried, that's... That's a Sunday night baseball game, by the way, on ESPN. I'm, I, I think I'm not going to watch football on Sunday night. I, I'll be waiting. I'll be waiting all day for Sunday night, just not for football. This series basically determines who plays more games in the postseason. Of course, I'm wanting the Mets to sweep it, by the way, just to wrap things up. By the way, the Mets sweep. If the Mets sweep, they uh, basically wrap up the division. They clinch it. They clinch the two seed. They get the, they get the first round bye through the wild card round. They get to get some rest, get some people healthy again. Nimmo's been dealing with some... With some problems, you know, some some, uh, some hip problems. And also, guys being tired. Get them a week off. Why not? So make the break. Make the defending champs play more games. Make them do it. Just go out, finish it off now. Play either the uh, the Cardinals or the third wild card team. You know, probably the Phillies or the Brewers. You know, winner of that series in the uh, NLD. By the way, that that last uh, playoff berth in the in the National League that's getting interesting. Division runner up gets the four seed. <laughs> Would have to play San Diego and then the Dodgers. The two seed wouldn't have to see the Dodgers until the the National League Championship Series. The wild card team a whole lot sooner, probably. Just, like how much like this is like a godsend for Major League Baseball, quite honestly, to get people to watch the final weekend of the season. <laughs> it, really, it really is. Last year you had the NL West. You know, there there was there was a pretty big race uh you know between the uh the uh the, the the Dodgers and the Giants. But they didn't meet like this in the last weekend weekend of the series. They met earlier in September, like around Labor Day last year. Each with uh, you know, identical 85-49 records. Cubs in Milwaukee did that, you know, back in 2018 for the NL Central. A little bit later. 2015 was the last time we had, uh, you know, like a like two teams at the top of the division 
meeting in the next-to-last series of the season. Cardinals won the first game. They split a doubleheader after a rainout. St. Louis clinches the division. Pittsburgh, once again, doesn't get to doesn't get to raise a championship flag. But, I mean, there's just so much. So much! And I'll be there all weekend in front of my TV. Thank God the Notre Dame bye week is this weekend. <laughs> it's as if it's predetermined! Mets and Braves all week. I can't. I can't wait. Uh, by the way, don't even ask for for any sort of betting numbers on that. I'm not betting on my team. I'm not doing any of that. But you know, for for all the Twitch users, I do have a Mets pullover on. I'm drinking from my Mets cup, and I'm wearing Mets colored shoes. I'm a little excited for this weekend. I'm a little excited. Not gonna lie. We'll wrap things up coming up in a little bit. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. Also by South Bend Orthopedics, Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, Midland Engineering Company, the Mishawaka Education Foundation, Legacy Heating and Air, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, Pet Refuge, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and Four Winds Casinos. Fantasy football-wise, some uh, fairly significant outs are uh, have been coming out. Michael Thomas for the Saints, he's out. Jameis Winston is doubtful for the uh, game between the Vikings and the Saints. By the way, that's the uh, that's this weekend's uh, game in London. We'll have that game here on WSBT starting at 9 a.m. on Sunday. So, uh, you know, a little football with your breakfast. Not terrible. Not a terrible thing. Uh, Browns at Atlanta. Let's see. Uh, Cordero, uh, Cordero Patterson's questionable. He's he's dealing with a knee issue. Could be important as far as fantasy football goes. Bills at the Ravens. Uh, let's see. Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox, Ed Oliver, all on the uh, all on the injured list, but uh, they're questionable for the Bills. Ronnie Stanley questionable for the uh, for the Ravens. The, the Notre Dame grad, offensive lineman. Washington at Dallas, of course, Dax out for them. Uh, also, Dalton Schultz is questionable. Uh, the Lions and Seahawks game in Detroit. DeAndre Swift, Amon Ross St. Brown, both out for the Lions. Uh, the, uh, the, the, Bears and, uh, the Bears and Giants in New York, David Montgomery's out. Kadarius Tony also out for the Giants, as well as Wandale Robinson and half the roster, it looks like. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Uh, that game going to be on uh, on Z94.3 coming up on Sunday starting at 12.30. That's when their coverage kicks off. Titans and Colts down in Indianapolis. Uh, let's see, Julian Blackman out for the uh, out for the Colts. Um, Shaq Leonard been a possibly playing. He's listed as questionable. That would be the first start for his season between the uh, the Titans and Colts. That game going to be on 96-1 the ton, starting at noon. Uh, Chargers at the Texans. Keenan Allen is out with a hamstring issue, so that totally screws up my wide receiver core in one of my uh, in one of my leagues. Totally screws it up. <laughs> like I've got I've got a good starting two. Keenan Allen's one of them. Behind that, garbage. Jacksonville at Philly, which somehow turned into a uh, to an intriguing matchup somehow. Who would have thought we'd be saying that? You know, like we we saw the Doug Peterson heading back to Philly for the first time, saw that coming. But did we see the Jags being two and one? I don't think so. Boston Scott out for the Eagles there. Uh, let's see, A.J. Green out for the Cardinals against the Panthers. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is questionable with a thigh injury. If you have Christian McCaffrey on your fantasy team and you did not handcuff Deontay Foreman, do that this weekend. Just do it now. Mac Jones out for the Patriots against the Packers. Uh, ankle injury there. You saw him, you know, basically hopping off the field because of that. Uh, let's see. Hunter Renfro out for the Raiders this weekend as they take on the Broncos in uh, in Vegas. Chiefs and Bucks. Odd that that game is still happening in Tampa Bay, by the way. Like, that's... It's like, really? Like, you had the plan all set to play the game in Minnesota. Probably wouldn't have been a drain of resources for what's going on down in Florida, right? Just saying. Uh, Brashad Perryman, doubtful for the uh, for the Bucks there. Uh, and then uh, actually nothing out of the Rams and Niners, which is uh, which is a change, <laughs> quite the change, really. Let's uh, let's wrap some things up. Let's get some uh, some some NFL betting numbers here, all. Let's start with that international game between the Vikings and the Saints in London. They could be a little, they could be a little tricky, a little tricky. The favorites, though, this time the Vikings by two and a half. The favorites often fare well. They're 15 and seven against the spread in non-Jaguars games. This would qualify as that. The Vikings needed to come back to beat Detroit last week, but they're still two and one. They've got a healthier quarterback. Jameis, what was he, doubtful, right, this week? Yeah. I mean, New Orleans, I think, is, is down to Taysom Hill. Come on. Saints required a week one comeback to avoid an 0-3 start. They ranked number 27 in DVOA, last in the NFL in pressure rate. That's going to give Kirk Cousins all sorts of time to find Justin Jefferson all day. <laughs> Without pressure... Kirk Cousins is completing 73.8% of his passes. Not bad. Yeah, Jameis is out. Michael Thomas out. Saints 
the underdog. Vikings just seem like the safer bet at uh, at minus two and a half. It was a tough call as far as uh, as far as the best early afternoon game, but I think you kind of just have to go with the Bills and Ravens, right? Lamar Jackson's been the best quarterback in the NFL through three games. It's just just watch him, okay? Bills are depleted in the secondary. However, despite last week's loss, Bills still rank number one in DVOA. Not exactly a big panic moment either for the Bills. Yeah, they lost to Miami last week, but their last 20 regular season victories have been by double digits. Which is why they've covered 21 of the 26 games in which they've won and been favored. If you like the Ravens, take them on the money line. Jackson going to be difficult to stop. Bills will try to force him into third down situations, though. Bills opponents average 8.2 yards to go on third down, which is second highest in the NFL. Third and long. And for all his brilliance, Jackson has a league-low 34.8% completion rate on on third downs. Number 16 in the NFL for the percentage of third down passes that go for first downs. Not exactly picking against Lamar Jackson because he he's one of he's one of three players right now that I absolutely hate betting against. But the Bills also have one of those guys in Josh Allen. Bills minus three. Uh, Cardinals at Panthers. Cardinals are pretty much a late-game comeback away from being 0-3. Panthers' two losses came by a combined five points. Can't really call the Cardinals the better team, but Cardinals plus two right now as an underdog, all right, which means Panthers two-point favorite over the Cardinals. What? Huh? Do a Panthers win over the Saints and Cardinals loss to the Rams deserve that type of a swing? Come on. Cardinals are better at quarterback. Baker Mayfield, number 32 among quarterbacks in EPA per drop back. Woo! Carolina might not be equipped to take advantage of a pass defense ranked number 30 in DVOA because of it. Uh, There's also some betting history that really kind of intrigues me here. The Cardinals have covered 14 of 19 games in which they've been road underdogs under Cliff Kingsbury, while Matt Rule's Panthers teams has only covered five of 18 games as home favorites. How's that happen? Cardinals plus two. I like Chiefs plus one at the Bucks. Bucks haven't scored a first-half touchdown this season. They haven't topped 20 points in a game. Getting Mike Evans back, it'll be helpful, but uh, that offense still ain't right. And you still got the Chiefs. Last week, just a bad week. All right? Just a bad week for the for the Chiefs. They're back against, uh, against the Bucks. Chiefs plus one. Monday, I like Rams straight up. Moneyline plus 105 at the Niners. Niners has uh, swept the last three season series. Favorable for San Francisco, although the Rams won in the NFC Championship last season. I still like the idea of picking defending Super Bowl champs as underdogs, though, and that's what the Rams are. 
in this game. So plus 105 for the Rams. Player prop, Tony Pollard, over 13.5 receiving yards because that just makes all sorts of sense. I hate saying lock around a bet, but eh. anyway, have a good weekend. Budweiser's weekday sports beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 